Our gospel lesson for today, the sixth Sunday after Pentecost, comes from Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9 and 18 through 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the lake. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart. That is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a little while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of the wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, in another thirty. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, people of God, may the grace and peace of our triune God be yours today and forever. Amen. Last Sunday, if you happen to catch our message, either here on our video or if you happen to be here at the outdoor worship, I talked a little bit about farming. I talked a little bit about how I've tried to keep up this idea of farming with my very small garden plot uh, found in the backyard of the parsonage, which is directly across the parking lot from the church. And as we sat there and and I talked about this, after the fact, I was having a conversation with one of the individuals who was there. And he commented, you know, your garden, from a distance anyway, it actually looks like it's filling in and looking pretty good this year. And we kind of bantered back and forth a little bit about it. And uh, I told him that, well, from a distance, it looks pretty decent. But the closer you get, you see, maybe it's not quite going so great. There's, There's some issues in there. Now, some of these issues are things that I have no control over. And some of these issues are situations that I created myself. Now, I've got a long history of raking up my leaves in the fall, raking them into a pile out on top of the garden plot, and burning them there. And that has had an effect on the soil, the quality of the soil. Additionally, my my garden plot is kind of on a little bit of a slope, so that has not helped. Some of the really good topsoil has all kind of been washed away. And that's one of the things that I have no control over, but my action of, of raking up and burning leaves is something that I can control. Now, if you're not familiar with that type of situation, leaves in their very nature are kind of acidic. So when they sit on top of the soil, that acidity will leach down into it when it gets rained on. And burning it is actually even worse for it because that turns into ash, and that ash is very acidic. So all of this has worked to build up the acidity within the soil. Now, there are certain plants that actually kind of like that, but most of the things that we plant in a garden really kind of don't. 
I've noticed this over the last few years as my garden has kind of produced a little bit less and a little bit less and a little bit less. And so this year, I actually took some steps before I planted it in order to try and overcome that. Namely, I went to the store and I got myself a bag of crushed limestone and I sprinkled that over the soil uh, as a way to help balance out some of that acidity. That's one step I took. I also went out in the late, late evenings when the night crawlers started coming up out of the ground and I caught a bunch of them and I transplanted them over into the garden hoping, hoping they would dig down into the soil and kind of do their, their night crawler, their earthworm thing because that's a benefit. And the other thing that I've been doing is since I started mowing this year, I'm collecting some of the grass clippings that pile up when I mow and I'm putting those over onto the top of the soil that, so that as those grass clippings kind of break down, that'll help build the organic material back into the soil. So I'm trying to take some steps to improve on things. That's one thing that I can do. But at the same time, I recognize that there's only so much that I can do. And once I have planted the seeds, whatever kind of seeds they are, some things come out of my control. So for instance, this year, I planted some sweet corn, I planted some green beans, a couple of tomato plants, and some potatoes. That's what I put in. And when I planted them, I, I thought to myself, well, this year, I hope they do what I expect them to do. I hope they do what they're supposed to do. But some of those out of my control things happened. Things like squirrels finding the corn seed and digging some of it up and eating it so that I had gaps in the couple of rows of sweet corn. Things like weeds that grew up around the green beans, which I'm still fighting. I try and go out and weed them, and yet they still continue to pop up. Things like my potatoes not sprouting at all because I tried an experiment that didn't work. Things like the rabbits finding my, my, my green beans, and even though they're actually growing halfway decent, despite the weeds that are there, the, the rabbits keep eating them off. These are certain things that happen. There are certain things that I'm anticipating will probably still happen, as right now my sweet corn is just starting to make ears. I've discovered in this part of the country, in the last few years, we've had an influx of a pest known as Japanese beetles, and these things eat everything, including sweet corn. I anticipate they're probably going to get into my sweet corn. All of these different things serve as examples in my very small garden, in my very small scale, of things that are outside our control. Now, I've said before, perhaps you've heard me talk about this, I'm a farm kid. I grew up around farming. I live in a small farming community in a part of the, the upper Midwest where farming is very prevalent. I'm familiar with farming. And I know that despite all the steps, all of the precautions that farmers take on the larger scale, there are still things, even if they do everything right, that are outside their control. They put down fertilizer. They put down pest control. They put down herbicides. They do all kinds of stuff. They use the technology that's behind the best seed to plant, all of these different things. They use GPS technology to put the seed where it's supposed to go, all these different things. But as it's growing, what are those things that are out of their control? Different pests can show up. A hailstorm can come through and knock down a crop. Straight line winds or even tornadoes can come ripping through and destroy a field. There's all kinds of stuff. Rain might not fall or too much rain might fall and we might get a flood. We just don't know. There are all these aspects that are outside of our control. Even if we do everything right, we still can't make that happen. Now, I want you to think about that and keep that in the back of your mind. Now, let's shift over and think about this parable that Jesus has told us. The parable of the sower. The kingdom of heaven is like this. A man went out to sow, and as he sowed, some, some seed fell on the path, 
and the birds came and ate it. I'm sure the birds appreciated it. Some of it fell in rocky ground. And it sprung up instantly, but there were no roots because, well, hey, let's face it, roots don't grow real great in rocks. And as soon as the sun came out, it scorched it. Some fell among the thorns and among the weeds, and the weeds grew up and it choked it out so that it didn't produce anything. But some fell on good soil where it grew up and it produced fruit. Some 100, some 60, some 30. We have this farmer, this sower, who just goes out and sows does kind of a lousy job of it. I think if we were watching this particular sower and saw how they were throwing the seed out, whatever kind of seed it is, we'd be like, yeah, they don't know what they're doing. And look at the waste that's going into it. And yet, that's what happens. That's part of the parable. Now, as this is told, as Jesus tells this to the disciples and to the crowds that are around, they don't get it. That oftentimes seems to be the, the problem. And in that little gap that we have between the first part of telling the parable the parable, and then when Jesus begins to explain it, we have them ask the question. The disciples literally come up to him, and they're like, dude, what are you talking about? And he kind of fits and stews just a little bit. He's like, oh, man, you guys never understand. Okay, fine, let me explain it. And that's why we have the explanation. Now, before I get into the explanation, before I get into that part, I want to talk just a little bit, excuse me, about the way that I commonly hear this parable understood or interpreted. We tend to think of it, especially when Jesus goes through the, the, the explanation and, and tells, tells the crowds and tells the disciples, this is what I'm talking about. We tend to think of this as what kind of soil am I? What do I need to do? What do I need to be in order to make sure that I am the good soil and so that the seed that is planted within me will grow. I don't want to be the path. I don't want to be the rocky ground. I don't want to be the, the thorns. I want to be the good soil. That tends to be how we hear it. Now, thinking about that, let's talk about the explanation that Jesus gives. He tells us what these things are. And, and he tells us in the explanation that the seed is the word of God. The seed is the gospel. The seed is that which expresses to us the truth that the kingdom of heaven has come near through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. He tells us that's what it is. And he tells us some, the the pathway, that's the people who don't even hear it. And it comes and it's snatched away. Then we've got the rocky ground and, and they hear it, but maybe it doesn't kind of take root. And so as soon as the sun comes out, it's scorched and it goes away. And then we've got some that are among the thorns and the weeds, and that's the cares of the world that grow up, and they, they, they choke it out, and it produces no fruit. And then we've got the ones who hear the word, and it takes root, and it grows, and it produces fruit. And we hear him say, the, the seed, I think I already said this, the seed is the, the, the good news, the gospel. The, the message that God takes so much joy and so much delight and so much wonderful love in God's creation, in that which God has made all of it, including us and including all of us, because we're all made bearing that divine image of God and God takes delight in all of us, that God loves us so much that God sees the brokenness that is a part of this world and God does something about it. God redeems this world through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus brings the kingdom of heaven to us now. That's the good news. That is the seed that is scattered by the sower. Now, as I already mentioned, 
we have the tendency to think about which soil am I and what do I have to do to be good soil? And folks, I don't agree with that interpretation. While I do think that there are aspects of life that we are called to learn and to grow and to participate in and to actively look at what did I do here and how can I be better? How did I encounter this situation and what can I learn from it? What wisdom can I gain? How can I participate in making this world and this society and all of this stuff a better place to be? While we are called to take action in that regards, what we are not called to do is to try and force ourselves in the parable to be a specific type of soil. If we think that's the interpretation of this, then we are turning faith into a work. We are turning faith into something that we have to do or achieve or get to before we are good enough. And that's not what this parable is saying. Think about soil, both within the parable and soil in general. Does soil actually do anything? Is it active in the growing of crops or the growing of plants, the growing of anything? Does the soil actually do anything? The answer to that is no. The seed is what's doing the work. Now, is the seed taking things from the soil? Sure. Is the seed taking in moisture? Sure. Is the seed taking in the, the, the sunlight and all that to grow and produce fruit? Sure. All of that's happening. But the action that we find in the parable itself, in this story that Jesus tells us, the action happens from the seed. It is the gospel itself that grows within us. And it's not anything that we have to do in order for that to happen. That's why Jesus says, if you have ears, listen. We've heard this from him before. Listen to the gospel. Listen to this message when it is proclaimed to you that this is for you because God takes delight in you. That's what we do. That's the only thing that we do. And then it takes root and it grows. Now let's be honest about things. We are all the different types of soil in any given moment, aren't we? We are all ground that's just path and, and nothing grows at all. We are all rocky ground where maybe something kind of catches hold but just barely and it gets yanked away from us. We're all choked off by the cares of the world, perhaps now more than ever. And at times also, we are also receptive. We are good ground that the seed can grow in. We are a mixture of all things and to say that we are any one of them and not the others is to make each one of us one-dimensional and we all know better than that. People are complex, odd weird creatures, aren't we? I've heard us called one time an exotic cocktail of all kinds of stuff, which is kind of a fun way to think about it, that we are this wonderfully oddball mixture of all kinds of different things and thoughts and emotions and different biological systems and all kinds of stuff, and that's how God made us, and God takes delight in us. So if God made us to be this oddball, crazy mixture, maybe we shouldn't worry when we see aspects of it that maybe don't quite line up with what we think we're supposed to do. I think that's what this parable tells us. And it's a reminder to us, a solid reminder, one that we must learn to listen to, that we are not in control of this stuff. Just like the farmers are not ultimately in control of what that seed will do, they're not ultimately in control of what the weather is going to do. They're not in control of what pests are going to show up. They're not in control of the, the, the amount that it's going to produce. It's outside their realm of control. We must remember the same thing about this, this parable that Jesus tells us and the truth of the gospel. 
We are not in charge of how someone else is going to respond to it. If we were, it would make evangelism really easy. But folks, we're not. The Holy Spirit acts in ways that the Holy Spirit acts, and we don't have control over that. And I think that's an important reminder for us, not only in terms of the idea of evangelism or the idea of sharing the gospel or the idea of growing God's church in the world, but even within the world as it is right now. We are stuck in the middle of strange, strange, strange times. Times that continue to remind us of how little control we actually have. Now, I've had this conversation with a lot of people. I've talked about this in some past videos and some past sermons. We are not in control. And this whole situation continues to remind us of that. We might have the illusion of control that had been in, in our normal thought process, the way we normally think about things, this illusion of, uh, of, I know I'm not ultimately in control, but at least I have some idea of things are going to happen. And right now, we've got none of that. And if we think we do, we are lying to ourselves. We don't have control over how other people react. We don't have control over the things that are happening in the world. We don't have control over when this virus will go away, if ever. We don't have control over when things will reopen or will reclose or how all kinds of stuff's going to happen. We have no control. And I don't know about you, but I think I can probably speak for you when I say that it is maddening. It is so hard. It is exhausting. And we want to be in control. And folks, I think we continue to see that when we look around, when we, see, when we see someone take what seems like a defiant stand against what common logic seems to say should be right. Or we, th we see it in all kinds of ways when people try and flare up and control things, and we want to be in control. And the thing about the scriptures, the thing about faith, the thing about the story that we are a part of is that we have seen this in our story before. Now, there are many examples throughout the entirety of Scripture of times when, when people tried to take matters into their own hands to not listen to the direction of God, to not follow the direction of God, to not be patient. And there's one in particular that really jumps at me. One in particular, though there are many. The story of Abraham. God told Abraham, I will make you a great nation. And then decades went by, and nothing had happened. And Abraham's wife, Sarah, has not had it any babies. They have no children. And after a couple of decades go by, they come up with an idea. Well, obviously God's not acting in the way that we think he should. So we're going to do our own thing. And Sarah takes her slave, gives her to Abraham as a concubine. No, no, I think about Hagar and she had no say in this whole matter. It just sort of happens to her. And they have a baby. The baby is Ishmael. And God's like, dude, what are you doing? I had made you a promise. This is not what I intended. And then later on, we have Isaac, who is the child of the promise. What I love about the scriptures is not the, the thought, not the idea that these things happened, but rather it's an acknowledgement that these things happen. And if we look at our history, we look at the cycles that continue to happen over and over and over again. This is why knowing our history is so important. When we look back, we see these things happen over and over again. And so what we are experiencing now, while perhaps unique to us as a society and unique to us as a generation, it's happened before. And as we try and control it, as we try and, and, and dictate what's going to happen and what isn't going to happen, we're probably going to make errors. And that's frustrating. 
But the good news that we can find in all of this, all of this, is the recognition that we are not in control, but that we are loved anyway. I think that's what we find when we consider the action of the sower, who is the one who casts the seed. And if the seed is the good news of the kingdom of heaven, if it is the gospel, well, who is the ultimate source of the gospel? It's Jesus and it's God. So if God takes no judgment whatsoever and just scatters the good news everywhere, regardless of what the eventual outcome will be, and God doesn't discern or try and take care to control every aspect and say, if I do it this way, it'll be great, and if I avoid this, it'll be great. God doesn't discern. God scatters that seed everywhere, knowing that some of it will bear fruit and some of it won't. And if God doesn't discriminate, if God doesn't make a judgment call of this is okay and that's not okay, maybe that's a good reminder for us knowing that we are the soil, to just kind of sit back and let things happen. Maybe we can find a little bit of hope in that and knowing that something, things like this have happened before and that God is faithful to God's promises. Ultimately, God will be faithful to God's promises, whether it happens in the way that we want it to or not. God will be faithful. May we remember that and may we then join in that work of casting that same gospel because that's the work that we are ultimately invited into. May we do that, and may we cling to that hope in the midst of these these times that don't make any sense, these times that remind us over and over again, we are not in control. May we remember that God is God, and I am not. That God's blessing is for me, and it's for you, and it's for everyone. Amen.